You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Streaming on Paramount Plus. You're ready, Bob. Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, one love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. And I'm Michael Swain of Fog.net. This is a replay of WIBW show The Drive. Here's this week's episode on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network. Good evening, Wildcat and Jayhawk fans, and welcome to The Drive, sponsored by Briggs Auto Group. I am Tim Fitzgerald at GoPowerCat.com. The man across the studio from me is Michael Swain of Fog.net. What did we learn this week, Michael? We learned do not go to Ames, Iowa. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking here to make sure nobody's like looking at what I got going on in front yeah. of me here, just to make sure, but I, I don't see anything so far. Well, it's weird because I feel like there's cameras on me. It's hmm. kind of odd. I don't know. It's like being in Hilton. Anyhow, interact with us on social media at facebook.com slash the drive show on Twitter at the drive 13. And of course, answer our weekly poll question and make your game predictions on our Twitter page. And remember, if you ever miss an episode of the drive, you can listen to an audio only version that will appear each Monday morning in the form of a podcast at gopowercat.com and fog.net. We start things off with our two minute drill. The first segment of the two minute drill is sponsored by Vanderbilt's Your Work Boot Center. Well, Michael, KU's road woes continued on Saturday as KU fell to an Iowa State team that made it in a historic number of three-pointers. How concerned about are you about KU's performance? Uh, Fitzer, part of me that is concerned, right? Broadly, the trends for KU on the road this season have not been very good, right? You look at KU's loss at UCF where they turned the ball over 18 times. So many of those were mental mistakes. You look at KU's loss at West Virginia, the three-point defense KU had was a lot of mental mistakes. And then KU goes on the road to play Iowa State, and Iowa State makes 14 threes, the most they've made since the 2020-2021 season, and it's the most they've made in the game under TJ Otzelberger. Now, a part of that was just great three-point shooting from some guys that haven't shot threes very well. Trey King, it was a matchup issue for KU. They put Hunter Dickinson on him to have KJ Adams on Robert Jones, a great rebounder for Iowa State. And Trey King lit KU up and with four threes, more than he had made all season heading into this game. Now that part of it is more variance fits. Like you can't really get too concerned about that. The parts where I'm concerned are just the execution of KU's defensive scheme. You go to the end of the first half and Elmarco Jackson doesn't switch a screen. It leads to uh, an Iowa State player being wide open who shoots 40% from three this season, and he makes it. You go later in the game and it's a very similar result with Johnny Furphy not switching, getting stuck on the screen, results in that same exact player being wide open, and he makes a three. And then you go to the final play that really cemented the game where Keshawn Gilbert uh, looks like he's going to drive by Johnny Furphy, who had been driven by several times in the game, and then he pulls up, shoots a three. So I think for me, Fitz, like the mental ability for K to stay locked in is very worrisome. 
Now, if you want to spin this into a positive, I mean, KU scored over 70 points against one of the best defensive teams in the country in their own building. They turned the ball over on just 17% of their possessions in this game. For reference, Iowa State forced the opposition into 26% turnover rate in every game this season. So, KU generally, right, it was not good in terms of their mental ability to execute the scheme that Bill Self had. But the offense did show some signs of progress. That's a positive. But look, Fitz, KU's got to figure it out on the road because there are some really tough games coming up here. Yeah, it, man, they've got it going at Hilton. There's no doubt about it. it, it I've never seen this. And Iowa State's always better at home. Mm. This team's better, better. I mean, they're really good at home. Totally. And if it's that atmosphere in Ames, it, it has gotten so much better, I think, post-COVID and the way everything's gone. Like, it's a even more tough place to play than it was before. They are passionate fans. I mean, 14K is the common i mean they just fill that place up and turn up the volume and and eat walking tacos while they're doing it it's an amazing thing i don't know how they do it all it's incredible (laughs) all right fitz let's transition here kansas state dropped road games at iowa state and at houston this week so is there any big picture reason for concern for the wildcats yeah there are i mean i I, this k-state team has two real weaknesses right now uh well three uh the first one is they're turning the ball over way too often They've now turned it over either 18 or 17 times, five games in a row. That's a level of consistency coaches want, but not in this particular stat. I mean, that is just kind of dead on. And in fact, when they put the young guys in against Houston on Saturday, they seem to clean up the turnover, so go figure that one out. Now, this K-State team also doesn't shoot it consistently enough from three-point range. And when they do, they rally, and they often come back. That's been part of their MO all season. And also, they're not very good on the offensive or closing out offensive possessions by stopping offensive rebounds. Well, I, look, that game at Iowa State was competitive. It was heated. It was entertaining. It was an old Big Eight brawl, um, and K State got down early and could and came back and almost won. In fact, they probably should have won. And then the fouls just mounted up in the second half. But going to Houston. Uh, one of the better teams in the country who, particularly on their home floor, likes to get you to turn the ball over and loves their second chance points. This was a formula for a disaster for these Kansas State Wildcats unless they could break their trends, and they couldn't. Houston scored the first 11 points in this game, and as Coach Jerome Tang said after the game, look, we knew we could come back at Iowa State, but this Houston team at home is just too good. We knew we were in big trouble at that point. In case they'd scrapped and tried to come back, and eventually they just cleared the bench and let the young guys play, and they played pretty well because it's become pretty clear that the frontline guys need a little more help, particularly in taking care of the ball. They've got a group of off guards trying to play a point guard position, and they're really good at passing it to the wrong team or dribbling it out of bounds or things that you just can't do if you want to compete at the highest levels. This is Kansas State's Achilles heel. It's been fully exposed now for about three weeks. We'll see if they can Hmm. uh, fix it. But, Michael, I don't know how they will. They just don't have a true point guard other than true freshman day games. And, Fitz, that's tough, right? 18 turnovers. That is so many. And I think Bill Self has talked about this a lot with KU, right? Those end up in points for the other team, and you're losing a possession, and they're getting points. Mm -hmm. Like It's something K-State's got to fix. They're going to be a much more consistent team, I think, through the next part of Big 12 play. Yeah, this is a brutal stretch for them, and Mm -hmm. they're own two in it. The chaos continues in the Big 12, where teams such as BYU and Oklahoma are ranked, but just three and four in the conference. The Big 12's two top 10 teams are not immune either. Houston has two Big 12 losses, and K 
Kansas has three. Michael, is this sustainable for this conference? I think yes, in terms of entertainment value. I think this is a great product to watch every single night that there's a Big 12 game going on. But I think the broader concern here is going to be when it comes time for the NCAA tournament fits, because I think there's going to be a time when the committee is going to look at the records and those records are going to have a lot of losses. Yep. And I think at face value, the committee can talk all they want, right, about, oh, we use these analytics and we use these advanced metrics and strength of schedule and yada, yada, and this and that. Well, at the end of the day, they're going to look at the record too. And the issue I think that's going to come up with Big 12 is there going to be a lot of teams that are maybe 500 in Big 12 play. Well, that's eight or nine losses. And that's a fair amount if you factor in two non-conference losses. And so I think there's a real world in which this does hurt the Big 12 in the long run. Now, in my opinion, should it? No. But I think as we've seen, the selection committee isn't always the most consistent. And that's my big worry here is just for the Big 12 going to the NCAA tournament. And look, are these teams even going to be able to put together a run? Because these teams are going to be beaten down by the end of Big 12 play. You've already seen KU look a little bit gassed with how much they're playing their starters. Like there are other teams that as this conference season goes on are going to run out of steam. So I'll be fascinated to see how this all plays out in, uh, in postseason play. Yeah, I agree with you on all that. And I want to add this too. There's such great coaches in this conference that they're putting everything on film to expose you. They figured it out and as you go through this 18 game circuit, a little more gets chipped away and a little more gets chipped away and they you know they pretty much expose every flaw and weakness these plays work these don't and if you're a good team with scouting if your coaching staff can really break down film and look what's been effective and ineffective throughout conference play you know you've got an advantage now it's all out there this conference isn't just good because the teams are good the coaches the coaching staffs are exceptional um, and again, this is kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. I, I, I say this about SEC football all the time, and, and it's true for Big 12 basketball. Look, you're, you're so good, you can't win all the games. So that's because you're good. And if you're really good, then you're exceptionally good. There's no going wrong here. If you lose, it's because the conference is amazing. If you win, it's because the conference is amazing and you're part of the amazing. It's just a, it's a mess, but we'll see who's surviving of this Big contest at King of the Hill. It's a mess. Now, a quick look at your poll question results. The poll questions are brought to you by Midland Exteriors. Love the home you live in. Call today for a free estimate. All right, Fitz. Last week's question was, who has had the most disappointing start to Big 12 play? Kansas got the most votes, got 39%. Then Texas with 34%. Houston, 17%, and then TCU with 10%. I think this was KU fans kind of being hard on themselves. <laughs> They're kind of disappointed with what's going on. Here's this week's question. Who will win the Big 12? Mm-hmm. Let's flip that script and say who's going to be on the top of that hill when it's all said and done. A, Texas Tech. B, Houston. C, Kansas. D, Iowa State. Sorry, we only got four slots. Live with it. Vote at our Twitter page, The Drive. 13. All right, that will do it for this half of the two-minute drill, but we'll be right back with more on KU and K-State here on The Drive. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Welcome back to The Drive, fueled by BriggsAuto.com. We're back and we're required by the law to continue our weekly two-minute drill. It's the rules. The segment, this segment of the two-minute drill sponsored by Copeland Insurance Agency, part of your community for more than 60 years. Bill Self didn't substitute in the second half for about 14 minutes. What does this say about KU's bench right now? Fitz, we could talk for a while about KU's bench. This has been a hot topic this season. And I think it says there's not a lot of trust there. And yeah. there's not a lot of trust from the head coach. And if you watch the actual play on the floor, like there's not a lot of trust from KU's kind of core four, if you will, right? Dewan Harris, Kevin McCullough, KJ Adams, Hunter Dickinson. Like they do not have a lot of trust in the guys that are coming off the bench right now. And you can see that with some of the plays that happen where guys that are open aren't being passed to and the, the veterans are deciding to do it themselves. This has been a big issue this year. And I think it really showed against Iowa State because Bill Self basically said, I'm going to roll my starting five for as long as physically possible. And that was 14 minutes. And that's 14 minutes of pretty hectic action against an Iowa State team that really does rotate a lot, has waves of players coming at you. And then the first time Bill Self substitutes, El Marco Jackson comes in, and then he gets beat on a backdoor cut, fouls, and it's an and one. Like, and then all of a sudden Bill Self looks at the bench, like clearly frustrated with what just happened. And it's an exact reason why he didn't sub. So it's kind of a catch-22 here, Fitz, because at the end of the day, these starters for KU are going to get worn out, right? Dwan Harris cannot play 38 minutes over the course of Big 12 play and have people expect him to be the player we saw last year or the year before, right? Hunter Dickinson is playing about 38 minutes per game, but then when Parker Brown comes in against a team like Iowa State that does have a physical front line, he's just outmatched. Fitzy was minus 13 in his limited minutes off the bench. Like, that's tough to deal with. And so the drop-off between KU starters and the bench is pretty drastic. And then the issue, though, is the long-term, those starters are not going to be able to be as effective late in the season when you have some of those big-time road games going to Oklahoma. Oh, yeah, going to Houston on the last day of the season. Like, I'm really concerned about this team's ability to kind of last through the next part of the season because at this point in time, so many of those bench guys just look unplayable. But then on the other end, you need to play them because those starters can't play 40 minutes per game in this conference against these teams. So it's kind of a tough situation here where I think KU really is missing kind of a, a veteran guy that was supposed to be Nick Timberlake, but it's just not working for him. Yeah, it it's one of those things where I've seen this script before and I have a feeling by the time the tournament rolls around, we're going to see one or two guys come off that bench and look like they've never looked before this season. That's mm -hmm. just Bill Self just he's not giving up on him. He'll just continue yeah. to work with him until he gets what he needs. Exactly. There have been signs of progress, but I think Saturday was a not not a great not one. good. So let's get to K State women's basketball, which is up to number four in the AP top twenty-five and number two in the coaches poll. They've now won three games without their top player. So Fitz, I mean, how impressive has this run been for the K-State women? Uh, this, is, this is really uh, amazing. Uh, they had a tough game with BYU. Uh, BYU came in, um, hasn't been real good in the conference, but they have a, a real dominant uh, presence in the middle. And they couldn't stop her because without Ioka Lee, that they, they've gone to the backups who are very good players. And we've seen the backups have great games, but they're just not the physical presence that Lee brings to the court uh, and really makes it hard on teams on both ends of the floor. Kansas State now, at the halfway mark of the Big 12 season, is 9-0. And while Big 12 women's basketball isn't quite to the elite level of men's basketball, it is certainly a national player. 
and it does have teams that compete at the highest level, and this year it appears to be it's going to be Kansas State. They're 20-1 on the season, their lone loss being to Iowa uh, on a neutral court. And of course, Iowa with Caitlin Clark has played in the national championship last season. They also beat Iowa. This team really has such nice parts, even when you take Lee off the floor. But, of course, when you put Lee back on the floor, it's a whole different topic. This week is huge for the K-State women. Uh, they start off on Wednesday by going to Oklahoma, and then they finish on uh, Sunday of next week, which is somehow February. How did that happen, Michael? I don't, I don't understand how next Sunday is February. And, and they will play at Texas, which was... Lee's last game, a big home win over the Longhorns, I would fully expect Texas to get their revenge on that game with Lee on the sideline. But I, I gotta say this, Coach Jeff Mitty has compiled a roster that is uh, more about a team than just one player. And he's got such nice parts that can come in and they're doing different things now without Lee, but they're doing it very well. Yeah, they kind of escaped against BYU over the weekend, but that's what good teams sometimes have to do. Without Aoka Lee, every victory you add uh, is an impressive step along the way of winning the Big 12 and getting into the NCAA tournament as the highest seed possible. Hmm. And on top of all that, with Serena Sundell and the gang, this is a really fun team to watch. They really get up and down the court. And now we step out of bounds, and our out of bounds is brought to you by Dara's Corner Market. We love local, and we are local for you. So we couldn't go the show without hitting on this topic. Kansas State lost last Tuesday at Iowa State during and after the game. Coach Jerome Tang was visibly upset. Um, go Powercat Fitz, you guys later reported that the reason for his anger was the belief that their timeout huddles were being recorded with information being shared with the Iowa State bench. Fitz, walk us through this. What's the latest? What are you hearing? Well, uh, you know what? Jerome Tang's never addressed this in public. <clears throat> he, he said, uh, he, he spoke briefly with Kels Robinette, but after the game, he just, he said, well, I'm going to keep that between uh, Iowa State, TJ Otzenberger, and, and myself. He, he asked Otz to go look into this. This is what we think happened. We're pretty sure it happened because, honestly, Iowa State appeared to be lining up for things before K-State even showed what they were going to run. But still, the logistics of this don't make sense to me. If someone's filming from, it, now we found out from like three or four rows back, looking right down in the huddle, they move their huddle. But still, how does that information get transmitted over to the bench in a timely manner? And this guy must know a lot of basketball if he can look at a dry erase board through a phone and figure out what's going on. Something was going on. Uh, Coach Tang was rather adamant about that. But he had never made a public spectacle of it like Iowa State did following their win over Kansas. It was odd. It was overly defensive. When the right answer was, you know, I appreciate Coach Tang bringing this to our attention. We investigated it, and honestly, we didn't find anything. That's the right answer. But instead, Otz goes to the mic and amplifies everything. If I know Jerome Tang, he's going to kind of play it down. Uh, but, uh, you know, he again, he's never said anything public. And the only reason we reported on it, because there was uh, – rumors of racial slurs and things being thrown and people wanted to know why was Jerome Tang so out of character uh, that upset during the game and it turned out to be they're convinced they were being spied on and why because other teams had told them they suspect that did K-State coaching staff leak this to me no they didn't actually a national reporter called me and said he was privy to a text message a text chain going around amongst Big 12 assistant coaches and they all think it's true Hmm. I don't know where this is going to go, but 
I just find it interesting. And I thought Iowa State's response was way over the top, way too defensive, and they made it impossible to move on, which you would think they would want to do. It's just crazy, Fitz, because here's the thing, too. It's basketball, right? It's not like football where stealing signs and stealing plays like directly can impact some huge moments in the game. We're talking about a few possessions, but it was in a close game, too. Yep. I'm fascinated to see where this goes, if it's factual, if it's not. But I think you're right. It was very interesting that T.J. Altsenberger opened, opened it, his post-game press conference after the win over Kansas, by addressing this. Very yeah, interesting. It, I, I didn't quite understand that, but uh, let's just put it this. One of the curious things about this mm-hmm. game was K-State did trail by 11 or 12 at halftime and then quickly made up that gap, um, almost like something changed at halftime. It was interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Now let's hear from the fans, and our fan question is sponsored by Metal Arc Retirement Awaits in Manhattan, where you can live your way every day. Our fan question this week is, when should we get worried about the Kansas Jayhawks? Thank you, Elizabeth in Topeka. Uh, I'm already nervous. Yep, I'm already so. worried and nervous. <clears throat> Fitz, I think some of the stuff we talked about today, right? Lack of bench helping out the starters, the lack of intensity, I think, and the mentality on the road has been a little concerning. So. Overall, you know, KU's got a lot of work in front of them to win the conference or at least get a share of it. Yep. Remember to ask your questions on our Facebook page and on Twitter at the Drive 13, as is still Michael's read. When we return, we look at our predictions here on the Drive. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to The Drive, fueled by BriggsAuto.com. It's time to head down the home stretch of this week's show, and now let's look at our predictions. Predictions are brought to you by Kites. Meeting your friends at Kites since 1954. Remember to make your weekly predictions on our Twitter page, at The Drive 13. Here are last week's results. The fans uh, win the Michael Swain Memorial Award because <laughs> uh, Michael's kind of buried, but he did go one and two. I went two and one. I This is the smartest I've ever looked in my life, and I think everyone involved. Let's start with this week's picks. We just set Houston at Kansas as a pick because we we don't know. I'm going to go with Houston just because I just saw them, and, and they're the prettiest thing I've ever seen on a basketball court. I'll take KU, right? Home game, Allen Fieldhouse. Yeah. Uh, it's hard to pick against KU there. Yeah. But next up, let's go to K-State at Oklahoma State. We've got this one as a pick as well. I think Oklahoma State is not very good. I think K-State will be able to win this game. Who do you have, Fitz? I, I'm going to go with K-State too, but boy, they struggled with Oklahoma State at home not too long ago. Here's our last game of the week. It is Iowa State at Baylor. Baylor, three-and-a-half-point favorite. I'm picking all road teams, Michael. I got the clones. So you're pulling at me. I'll take mm-hmm. Baylor then. I'll go the opposite of me. It's worked so well for you. <laughs> Again, make your predicts on our predictions on our Twitter page at the Drive 13. It's time for On the Clock. Mm-hmm. On the Clock sponsored by Carpet One by Local for a Strong Local Community. Michael, take it away. Fits the Big 12 football schedule comes <sighs> out this week. We already know who the teams are playing, but we'll figure out the timing of when these games happen. I think that's really important, especially in this new conference. We've seen bye weeks be really crucial for KU the last two years. Both times it's resulted in bowl eligibility 
for the Jayhawks. We'll have to see where the bye game lies this year and how these games fall because I think the schedule for KU is light, but the game and timing is going to be important. You just I didn't even know that was a topic to talk about. I'm going to talk about it now. This will be really interesting for Kansas State because they're playing 10 Big 12 teams with Arizona being on the non-conference, and they go to Tulane. So how the schedule stacks up uh, could be really fascinating for Kansas State in a rare six-game home schedule. We'll see what happens for the Cats. And that's it for this week's edition of The Drive. We'll see you right here all week or next week and all week on social media. We'll be somewhere. Just see us. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.